Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Lena Morgan. You ready to pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean you. <laughs> this is song versus song. And uh, why don't you announce this? Because you, you forced <laughs> this one on us. Forced it? That forced makes it. it seem like people aren't going to enjoy this, Todd. <laughs> it makes it seem like you didn't enjoy it. And I can't believe that that's true. I have, uh, I don't know if I have many thoughts about Ska, but I certainly have many feelings about Ska. Anyway, announce it. What are we doing? Oh, uh, we're doing Ska covers. The beginning of the end of the Ska era. The time in which it was best known for, for it's a lie. They were always known for covers. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that for sure. Uh, we're doing uh, the safe Ferris version of Come On Eileen versus the Real Big Fish cover of... Uh, Take on me. You know, I've been thinking about a Scott episode for the longest time, but I just couldn't think, couldn't think what would be the one that made sense. Because there is the impression that I get by the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, mm-hmm. and then there is everything else. Well, so I will tell you, I think that we'll come back, because I would like to do um, uh, a Mighty Mighty Boss Tones episode, and we probably would use that song. Was it was it that you couldn't figure it out what you put it up against? Yeah, basically. Oh, it's Time Bomb by Rancid. Time Bomb by Rancid? Absolutely. Time Bomb by Rancid? Yes. If, if you're doing Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, you put them against Rancid. I don't know why you're making this face that you're making. Like, you can't believe. What a, what a, I don't know. I was associated with Rancid with, like, Green Day and the Offspring, not the Ska world. I mean, they're adjacent. Uh, they Boston's they were. Are like are like the most. And keep in mind, like, like I, I'm misremembering. I thought at least one person for Manson was a part of Op Ivy, which like had a yes. pretty large impact on the beginning. Yeah, of, of that's the ska fair. Scene. That's fair. Operation Ivy was like the progenitor of that wave of ska. Yes. So. Yes. The, the third wave and of they ska eventually was... became Rancid. So they're that that's fair. That's completely fair. Ha ha. You see, I know. So like, yes, I think we'll do a, an episode. That is that episode at some point, just as we will inevitably do the swing revival episode. I was I was actually thinking of like maybe we could do like a ska versus swing. Nah, uh, the, there's, the weird there's, horn there's micro genres cl- of the nineties. There's so obviously two swing songs, two swing revival songs from the nineties. Uh, that uh, being Hell versus Zoot Suit Riot. That is another episode hell. we will we will absolutely be doing those. Yeah, Hell. I don't know. I was thinking uh, uh, Jump, Jive, and Whale. Nah. I, jump, jump, jive, and jail, jump, Jive, and Whale is kind of in, in a place all its own, whereas Cherry Pop and Daddies and Squirrel Nut Zippers, Nut Zippers. are God. very, very same, same. Like, even the names of those bands. I know. Like, I, I feel like listening to myself, like, I, like, imagine you're a kid born after the 90s trying to follow this conversation. The mighty, mighty boss tones, squirrel nut zippers, cherry poppin' daddies. You made all these fucking names up, you liars. So I think it's very important to respond to that by saying <laughs> every band name is made up. What are you talking about? Um, I mean, they don't all, sound like real bands. And also the reason bands. why mighty, mighty boss tones are called mighty, mighty boss tones is because there was already a band called boss tones. So they added uh, the mighty, mighty part. I read an interview where someone asked Real Big Fish why they're called Real Big Fish. And I think their answer was, uh, yeah. The but, answer, I believe, is because it sounded cool when we were 16. <laughs> uh, I was a, an uncool 16-year-old, so I understand like that when you're 16, stupid things can sound cool to you. But I'm still really having trouble understanding why they thought Real Big Fish was a cool name. I don't see. Here's the thing: you notably aren't very cool. You're like the least cool person I know. Damn straight. So why don't you like ska, the least cool genre? Who said I didn't like ska? Wait, what? <laughs> Who said that? Am I about to discover something new about you? I thought you hated ska. I thought you were like most people, and it's very popular to hate ska. Let me tell you something: the one thing that I know of recent memory about ska is that Bill De Blasio at some point within the last five or six years said he liked ska and Twitter had a field day about it. And I thought that's like the one thing I agree with Bill de Blasio about. It's like the, like otherwise one of the worst mayors we've ever had, but ska. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Ska. I never said I disliked ska. 
I acted as if I thought ska was a joke, which is basically true. It's a ridiculous little micro genre that's very hard to take seriously. I had ska friends. Like, everyone needs a ska friend. And I mean, like, full-on played trombone in the band type. If you were second chair trumpet and you wanted to be in a band, ska was for you. That's who I think was really into ska band geeks. I think it's important for you to remember that you have a ska friend right now. I know. No, you are not a ska friend like my ska friends from back home were ska friends. I would like, well, I, listen I was, to a lot of ska. Like I was in a, a group where we brought in some horn players and like wrote songs and stuff. I don't remember that we did very much with it, but like my friend Adam Corelli was a sax player and he had a buddy who was like a trombone player or whatever. And like we, we made some music. Did you wear white fedoras and plaid pants and suspenders? Uh, I had the suspenders, and I, I mean, I feel like we talked about this in a previous episode. I totally went to, like, dance halls and VFWs and stuff like that and, like, skanked around because, I, you know, I did not feel comfortable inside of my own skin, and I'll tell you, there's nothing worse than trying to dance when you don't like your body because <laughs> you're just very aware of that body that you don't like. Um, but the thing is, nobody can look good skanking. It's impossible. So everyone's on equal footing. You're all looking like absolute buffoons. And if you start to feel really insecure, you just bang into each other. The skank mosh. <laughs> it was very fun. Um, it was, a, it was what, a, what a time to be alive. But, yeah, so I think before we get into the, the covers, I want to ask you sort of like an, almost like a two-for-one question. Which song is better Take on me or come on Eileen. You're, we're talking the originals, the '80s new wave originals. Yeah, which one of those songs is better? For me, it's pretty easily "Take on Me." "Come on Eileen" is a, a song I have learned to respect and like, but uh, Kevin Rowland's howl thing that he does just always struck me as like a major impediment to taking his band seriously. Oh, Johnny Ray. I don't know. He sounds like his tongue has swollen and he can't use it properly. Like, he sounds like a yelping dog. And I didn't realize that this was not like a joke song for the longest time. That was meant completely sincerely. It was like a, like, born to run with bagpipes or whatever. Yeah, I like that song. Take On Me is just one of the greats of New Wave. I think maybe like the last big synth pop hit. And it's just like a beautiful song with like the beautiful chorus. It's like, it's very Scandinavian with the, you know, it's just like that perfect, like you can hear it in the, the Euro pop that follows, but like they've got it like down precisely to a math, how, how to make music. It's just a perfect song. And it has, I think, probably top five best 80s music videos of all time. Uh, top five. Maybe period. Videos. Yeah, I mean. It's, it's iconic. It's definitely like when you think of music videos. Yeah, like top 10 at the very least. It's one that you think of. Right. Yeah, I guess I'm inclined to agree that I prefer that song because there's just more, there's more meat to it. Um, I love the flow of that song. I, I just think it has a wonderful dramatic flair to it. But I, I would say Come On Eileen has that too. I like that it's goofy. I like the music video for that one too, just because like them wearing the overalls gives you this very like working class, just trying to be carefree and live type of vibe. I like I that. Know, like, I, did a, I did a video on it way, way back in the day and I, I realized that, you know, this is like Springsteen. It's like, you know, we've got to get out of this town and be free, Eileen. Let's do it. Let me tell you something. I, um, was very floored to discover. So, like, obviously, Come On Eileen, the the song as covered by Save Ferris, it is the song for which they are most known. Yeah. Um, Monique Powell, who is the lead singer of that band, um, there's a very long history, which maybe we'll talk about, of, like, Save Ferris and the name of the band who is involved with the band and blah, blah, yada, yada. But, like, they put out a live record back in 2021, 
Mm-hmm. And um, Come On Eileen, of course, is the last song they play. But the way she starts it is very peculiar. Go on. Because what she, she says is, she like they start playing the music, and she goes, uh-oh, you know what time it is. It's time to come on Eileen. And I genuinely don't know what she means by that, but there is a clear implication. Uh, I mean, like they, she they, said they, it's time for come on Eileen, but she I says mean, they, it's time to come on Eileen. There, there's a, a joke in Clerks that one of the porn videos they sell is called Come on Eileen. And it, when I first saw Clerks for the first time, I laughed. I died laughing. I don't know. Was, I, I While I was like typing my notes on it, I think I accidentally wrote down take on Eileen and come on me, which just a lot of work. You just put a lot of work into this. Yes. I mean, so, you brought it up. I did. So ska, how about this? How about this genre of music? Ska. Hmm. Ska. We've danced around it before. We did a no doubt episode. <laughs> we danced around it. We <laughs> skanked around it. We sure did. So yeah, we did a, we did a no doubt episode, but we pair them up against garbage. Who do we pair sublime up against? Um, I think Sugar Ray. Yeah, so... I mean, No Doubt and Sublime both had, like... Sublime had, like, a toe in it, and No Doubt had, like, a foot in it, but they also had, like, other things they were up to. Well... Versus, say, Ferris and Real Big Fish, who are ska at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, at all points in between. Well, they're they're punk ska. Um, I would... So I would argue that... So Sublime themselves would, would... Deny, I think, all labels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were clearly influenced by ska. Uh, no doubt, absolutely was a ska band for their first album. Right. Their self-titled album is absolutely ska, and they were a part of that scene. As was Sublime. Like this is the thing: is that those two bands were buds. Like Brad Knoll and Gwen Stefani were friends. Oh yeah, she had so many nice things to say about him. Yeah, she loved that guy, and uh, and vice versa. They were very close. They were close pals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the difference between them was that Sublime, I think, had a. I think they were pretty good at, at putting a tune together, and no doubt, very famously, was just a very tight, serious professional band. Mm-hmm. And as you may have pointed out earlier, Scott. I don't want to call it a joke, but there is a non-seriousness to it. Right. You know, I think if you look at the difference between, let's say, the ska movement, the third wave ska movement of of the 1990s and the swing revival, uh, there was a much lower bar for how talented you had to be with your instrument to be part of the ska movement, whereas swing is pretty challenging. That's a, That's... You really got to go all in. You're if you're not serious, you're not doing that. Well, that's that's funny you say because like the guy from Real Big Fish can absolutely shred on his instrument. He's I think a, that that's not, but that's I, I never think of that as being the rule, especially if we're talking yeah, about. I mean, that's the, what that, that's what made them really stand out. I feel like that guy well, sh- would like shred like Van Halen in the middle of his ska song. Right. One well, and the reason for no doubt success in part was that. They had a lot of great musicians, including Tom Dumont, who was a great bass metal. player. He was a no. Tom Dumont was the was the guitar the, player. Oh, uh, Tony is the the. Was I don't the know. When I player. think of, when I think of like the most talented guy in No Doubt, I think of Tony Canal on on bass. He's a great but, bass player. He 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 does. I was going to say he slaps the bass, but then I started hearing, I started hearing a famous actress voice in my head talking about slapping the bass. And I just was like, I don't want any part of that, Paul Rudd. Leave me alone, Paul Rudd. I have get no idea what you're head. talking get about. Get out of my head, Paul Rudd. Anyway, the point is <laughs> that that all of the people in that band were very talented as far as like playing their instruments. And mm. Gwen Stefani was a very strong front person, right? Yeah. Like really knew how, stage, to, knew how to... Stage presence, yeah. Right. I think that uh, these two bands that we're going to be talking about are a little different. I wouldn't. I don't think that they're anywhere near the level of of a no doubt in either case. Like, I, this is. I don't want to be like too aggressively unkind. They're like I, to be fair. I do, in fact, enjoy listening to both of these bands, but 
they kind of exist in a different category. I don't know. Like it's hard for me to not hear say Ferris as like a, a B team, no doubt, which is not fair, but I'm certain that's what the, the record label was thinking. Like, here's our next, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, you know, I think that there was a lot of that. And also I think that, um, if you were a ska person, I think what people were hoping for was like a new dancehall crashers because dancehall crashers had kind of dropped the horns and embraced the, the more like like punky aesthetic, which I think is good. But I think a lot of people at the time, um, dancehall crashers is a, is a band, by the way. It's a I've never heard but, of them. Okay, well, I, I look. I feel like I could just say the names of any old band. And he, I could say I could make up a name and you'd be like, I'm sure it's real. I mean, there are so many C, D, E, F tier ska bands, which I know of through my ska friends from back home. Mephiscopheles. Is that real? Yeah, of course. No, well, <laughs> the thing about ska is that it's very adaptable. So there's a lot of like, there's, you know, very reggae ska there, you know, jazzy ska. There's like metal ska. There's Satan ska. There's Christian ska. Looking at you, the Supertones, another actual real band. Wasn't Five Iron Frenzy Christian? Maybe. Could be. Possibly. Did MXPX Uh, ever dip into ska? There's just a lot. Anyway, I think that there's just so many ska bands, and these are we're just talking about the ones that um, make it to getting any kind of radio play, Mm -hmm. and the, the glut of them was absolutely obscene. So, which is which is crazy because this was just like a blip. In but the, it wasn't. In the... But it really wasn't. So ska, the the bands that would would be successful. So like like no doubt got their start in the eighties. Mighty Mighty Boston's got their start in the eighties. Um, Fishbone had obviously like a like a, a tragedy, uh, but were in the eighties. Um, so there were a lot of like the early two tone influenced ska bands that would go on to either become more famous in the 90s or have a huge influence on 90s ska or go pretty far back. You know, it's not as though there was no ska pre the death of Kurt Cobain, right? Like, it wasn't like that. However, the way in which it exploded was very fast. And it was due to a, a couple of things. One of those things was, in fact, that, you know, Kurt Cobain had died and everyone thought, what now? Um, so that was that was this huge instigator. Um, but I think No Doubt kind of has some influence. But there's this interesting thing that happened I find to be very fascinating. I think the Mighty Mighty Boston's have a huge influence on this as well um, because they, they were, were in Clueless. They were in Clueless. That was literally what I was about to say. And in point of fact, uh, worth noting that the two bands that we will be talking about at some point, any minute, just wait now, um, are both also in movies. What are, Sa- um, Save, Save Ferris is in 10 Things I Hate About You. And Real Big Fish, with this very song we're talking about, is in basketball. You know, that's a, a funny thing. Like, the first big ska thing is Clueless. And then two years later, there's ska everywhere. The first big swing thing is Swingers. And two years after that... Swing is everywhere. Here's the thing that I think is wild. Um, so I put a, there's a thing that happened and I'm sure it happened before this, but I always think of, um, because of the, the, the combination of ska and punk, because so much of ska of the nineties was ska and punk combined. I often attribute some of the success of ska to green day, even though they are not ska. That's fair. Let me, but let me give you exactly what I mean by that. So, um, Green Day, they had some albums before they put out Dookie. Dookie being the album that made them the the massive stars that they became and then um, largely remained. One of those albums, the second album, was called Kerplunk, and on that album, good album, they had a song called Welcome to Paradise. Good song. Uh, Appeared on Dookie. And then it reappeared on Dookie. What was the difference between Welcome to Paradise on Kerplunk and Welcome to Paradise on Dookie? In my memory, not a lot. There's a huge difference. The The way that Billy Joe Armstrong sings it, the way that it's performed, the, the general makeup of the song itself, the structure of it is identical. The difference is the production. That's it. It sounds beefier. Yeah, that's, that's what I remember. More, it just sounds a little uh, more muscly. And wouldn't you know it, 
basically every ska band that you've heard of has an album that was kind of indie, if not completely indie, that has a song that would then appear one year later on a more mainstream album. Exactly the same song, exactly the same composition, but better production and a little beefier sounding. It happens over and over and over again. It happens with Less Than Jake. It happens with Goldfinger. It happens with... um. It happens with Real Big Fish. It Basically, it's all of them. It happens with Save Ferris, even. Save Ferris had put out a, an EP on their own. Uh, they made their own label before they had their actual album. And it's just over and over again. And in most cases, Save Ferris is not the case. But what's interesting is with all those other bands, in 1995, they put out the album that is fine, has good music, but doesn't have great production values. And then 1996 is the year that they put out the better album with better production values. 95 to 96 happens over and over and over again. And by 1997, Scott had gotten so big that Carson Daly dressed up in like a pork pie hat with all black and white stuff and was on MTV Scotter Day or whatever the hell it was called. That sounds insane to me. Like this was before I started paying attention to music, but like that, I can't imagine that like a full on MTV, anything dedicated to ska. And I know that mighty boys, mighty Boston's were like a big hit, but I, I can't imagine it. I really can't. It happened fast, right? Like it was a lot, like there was stuff there and on, on these like smaller circuits, ska was, was growing in popularity but there was no mainstream ska except for these like random things that would sneak through. And then 1995 happened with these independent pseudo independent releases. Then 1996 happened with the better stuff that meant it made it so that it could be on an MTV or was more radio play ready. And then by 97, there's literally an entire show on MTV dedicated to it. And then by 1999, they're all on the Tony Hawk pro skater soundtrack uh goldfinger i fucking love that shit i was big into goldfinger but what's and fascinating other about ska that, bands but i think that it's very interesting that you know superman's a great song that's the follow-up album for them um hang-ups. hang-ups yes and hang-ups is not like it's like i like that album fine but it's not like the first goldfinger album the first like polished lp the self-titled is so wall-to-wall great punk shit it's so good it's an incredible record and it goes pretty hard and i find that hang-ups does not do that hang-ups is relatively mellow by comparison mm-hmm. and as great as superman is i don't think that there's a ton of songs on that album where i'm like man it's, it's just wall-to-wall hits on this thing and it's the same thing with most of those bands is that they have like the hit record and then the next one, like Real Big Fish's album after their the the album that has sellout on it, just isn't a like why do they rock so hard or whatever it's called? Yeah, is is a really- I don't know like that. Yeah, there was like not a whole lot of like long careers. I was like, is it is that why Scott died out, or did uh, did Scott die out because um you know the what came first, the chicken or the egg here? I think you know my interpretation on what happened to Scott is that. If you look at most other genres of music, they go places. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a there's a there's a notable evolution of sound and composition over time, right? Uh, like it's, I said, you, I got Sky. how are you, how are you, how are you, how are you going to compete pick it up, pick it up, with? You're know, like ska is just ska is just ska. Like those albums, like I'm not saying they don't change at all, but there's just not a lot of place that anybody really took the genre unless it was to leave ska and do something different. That's the reason no doubt is successful. They didn't stay doing ska. They moved on and did something else. Right. And I just, how does ska perpetuate in a world where Radiohead goes from Pablo honey to the Benz to okay computer to kid a, how does that happen? Right? Like real big fish is going from sellout to a cover of, Aha's take on me, you know, and and some songs about like how they want your girlfriend to be their girlfriend too. It's just not a lot of movement. So I think eventually you just kind of get 
bored. And the other thing is, Ska, by its nature, I think is music for a good time. It's a pool party. It's a pool party with pizza. But, hey, how's the world doing? And, you know, look, you're never going to pick a time where everybody was happy, but bang for your buck. <laughs> in the United States of America, the mid to late 90s is a pretty good time. Yeah. And there's... The music reflected it. Like, everything from Spice Girls th- through Britney, it's just bright neon colors everywhere. And I think Ska reflects that, right? Yes. Like, nobody's... nobody. I don't think a lot of people in that time decided to be in a Ska band, and there were a lot of people who decided to do this. I, I can't overstate this. So many people were just thought, I, you know, I, I, play, I played a horn when I was in when I was in grade school, I could, I got that thing in my basement. I could, I could jump in on this. Let's go. You know, um, a lot of people did that. And I think that was because so many people were just at a good place financially. And so you could fuck off and be in a ska band for a little while rather than actually be a responsible adult. You could do that. The dream of the nineties is alive. You know, I really think that that's another big part of what happened. I think the death of ska, like a lot of things is kind of nine 11, right? Like, it's kind of like the it's kind of like the internet bubble burst. It's it's nine eleven. It's the it's the housing bubble bursting. It's all that stuff, right? Once once the world becomes serious and the econ- the economy takes a huge downturn, it doesn't really make sense for ska to be the sound of the people. And also, nobody's got time for that. They've all got to figure out what the fuck they're doing. And if they're making music, they're doing it seriously, not as a lark. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well. One thing I remember pretty quickly is that um, covers became a big thing in ska, like really, really quickly. Oh, right away. Um, and that's the. Th- I also again would would point to Green Day. Kerplunk. They uh, one of the last songs I believe on that record is a cover of My Generation. I mean, covers are always a thing. They but are, like, but I but I think that like these punky, fast, harder covers of an original, I think that 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 Green Day is pretty early on in the in the start of that. Um, but all the ska bands did them, you know. Less than Jake did it a a, a billion times. I mean, I've um, been I've been dying to say this, but one of my first concerts I ever went to was Real Big Fish. Really? They uh, uh they played my college, and I'd seen only seen like a couple of uh concerts at that point alone without my parents and uh the, you know they would they played my college they did not seem thrilled to be there they pretended to leave for a second it was like oh here's our encore and they did many covers they did a whole bunch of covers i believe they did take on me they did uh so lonely by the police they did kiss me deadly by lita ford i mean it, look I, I think it's important to note that um me first and the gimme gimme's did nothing but Covers. That was like yeah, like the, that whole scene became like infamous for. Here's our joke cover of whatever. Right. And I feel like the like that turned it into a gimmick more than anything because like we got two songs on here that we're ostensibly talking about that we haven't really gotten to yet. But like it's just the you know it's here's an here's an eighty song you like here's the uh, the synth line turned into horns that happened a bunch. It happened a lot. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, it's kind of interesting, right? Like, you, you've got on the one hand, you've got in 1999 uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and then right. you've got this this ridiculous glut growing and growing and growing of cover songs that are by ska, ska punk, and punk acts, and that I think of as being kind of like Tony Hawk's Pro Nader, if you will, <laughs> uh-huh. um, of the yeah, not, I got him, Nadir, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't care. I wanted to make it rhyme, and it was funny. I anyway, actually don't know how it's pronounced. So. I'm pretty sure it's Nader, but I could be wrong. Anyway, yeah. look, here's here's the thing. I do, I mean, yes, every band does the cover thing, um, especially in Punk and Scott in the 90s. But I think that um, it became such a thing, and also, again, the world was just changed. I don't know. It just it represented, again, the unseriousness of ska as a genre. And I don't mean to say, um, cause like say Ferris worked very hard at what they were doing and real big fish worked very hard at what they were doing. And I don't want like, 
Lord knows, someone from each of these bands is going to end up listening to this and thinking that I'm saying that these are bad bands that didn't give a shit. I don't think that. But I think that there is a general unseriousness to the sound of ska. Yeah, everyone's and I don't, having a And good I don't time. think that there's a lot of, you know, like the most that you can say politically about ska in the 90s, especially in the later 90s, is that largely speaking, most of them would probably want you to know that they don't like racists. That was the brave stance of ska was fuck racism. Now that's a great that's a great stance if you're going to take one. But um, but yeah, I mean, like that. I always remember, like there was there was just a general like hatred of racism and bigotry in general in the ska movement. Yeah, well, which is not like, unpolitical, but like it's a pretty nebulous thing to say. Like fuck off, you racists. Well, like the first wave of the the, the original recipe ska is from Jamaica. Right, well, that's, that's, it's, it's, that's a totally super, different... Yeah, We're talking about political. very different times. Yeah, Second like, wave was the two tones from the from England, like the Madonna, uh, and the Madness and the Specials and all them, and they were more multiracial, and that's where a lot of the, like, the anti-racism stuff comes from. They were, like, half white, half black, and yeah. then we get to um, late 90s American ska, and it's just, like, the whitest of white genres. I don't re- even remember like the racism stuff. It was just like we're we're hanging out, we're wearing stupid hats, we're dancing in the pool. Here's our bright green van that we party in. It it, it it's almost like Europop. It's just like bright shiny colors all the goddamn time. Yeah, it's feel good music and I, you know, I was a big ska person um from about 1995 onward, from like 95 to like let's say 99 about. And then I just I don't know, man. Like I most of those bands really petered out. I, I think Less Than Jake is sort of an outlier in the sense that um even though Losing Streak was a really big deal, um, I think that Hello Rock View, which came out afterwards and was a little bit further down the line, they continued having stuff even in the two thousands. I think the secret for Less Than Jake is that they never got as big as some of the other guys did, as some of these other artists did. Mm-hmm. Like they never blew up so huge. Yeah, so they just kind of they just consistently remained respected and liked less than indeed when i first was like getting on the internet learning about music i remember thinking ska covers were really cool it's like oh here's a song i know with like a a lot of energy and they're shouting pick it up pick it up pick it up and i thought like those were like the first things i downloaded off of uh whatever post napster mp3 downloading things i could find audio galaxy kazaa sure yeah and uh, I think within like a couple of years, like once I had graduated high school, and went off to college, I was like, actually, this is kind of lame. Actually, this is kind of tiresome and annoying. And I listen to Take On Me now, the real Big Fish version. And I'm like, man, what are we even doing here? Like you, you haven't even asked which one I prefer. I would prefer Come On Eileen because real Big Fish are just like drowning in 90s irony all the goddamn time. They were. This is from the basketball soundtrack. It is indeed. It is from the basketball soundtrack. I, I actually watched that. basketball for the first time earlier today. Uh huh. There's not a, as good I mean, a movie as Ten Things I Hate About You. I'll say that much. Yeah, I uh, was a, a big South Park kid as a small person, and even then, I was like, I don't need to see basketball ever, fucking ever. <laughs> Uh, 25 years later, I can confirm that that was accurate. That was completely accurate. Whereas, again, yeah, 10 Things I Hate About You is a great movie. A it's, beloved classic for a reason. <laughs> it's pretty solid, yeah. Uh, all right, so my answer to this, now that we've spent almost 40 minutes talking about Ska. Oh, you had general, a lot of thoughts about the history of Ska. Well, there's a lot to say. You know, I think that people don't really give it enough credit, and I think it is pretty interesting, and I'm only scratching the surface. By the way, uh, there is a book called Hell of a Hat uh, mm. by, Ken, by Ken Partridge. Hell um, of a I, Hat. Hell of a Hat, The Rise of Ska and Swing. Um, the Rise of 90s Ska and Swing, I should say. Uh, it's a pretty good, it's a good read, and I would recommend it if you want a, a, a much deeper dive. For me, it was a lot of nodding and smiling and remember the, remembering those times, but it is very informative. Uh, anyway, so Real Big Fish is a better band. That Come On Eileen cover is by far the better cover. By f- it's not even close to me. I don't know. I hear the take on me, Real Big Fish version. It reminds me mostly of like the cake, I Will Survive. Like it, we're, there's a bunch of like snotty, ironic 90s covers 
I don't know, like uh, real big fish is just too much energy, too much like obnoxious energy where, uh, you know, take on me. I mean, points to him for like hitting the high notes. But, and I, I actually really like um, the, the little flight of the bumblebees bit they do in take on me with the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. But otherwise it's, a, it's annoying. It's annoying. It's on the basketball soundtrack. It's annoying. And come on, Eileen, I don't, I'm not a, like a humongous fan either, but like, you know, I can hear it and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Although it is not, I wouldn't say it's ironic. It's not entirely sincere either. I, I don't know that I agree. I, I think it's pretty sincere. I think that, you know, I, as I, I know as a point of fact that, that Monique Powell loved that song mm-hmm. and really wanted to cover it. Um, I've read interviews where she talks about that, and, you know. Maybe she's rewriting history here. I don't know. But I, I try to take her at her word as a person as a person I don't know. I actually, in some ways, like the Save Ferris version of Come on Eileen more than the original. That is blasphemous. I, I'm not I going to disagree with it though. Okay. So here's the thing that really gets there's a point. There's a specific thing that they do in that song that I really like. So you know the the Tura Lura mm-hmm. part? So there's that thing that they do in the Say Ferris version where she does the first Turalu, Turalu, and then, and the second time that she does it, you hear the sound of like a, a strong overdrive guitar come in. So it's like Turalu, and then it just really like it's it's a really smart move. It builds the song in a way that I actually don't even think the original Dexys version does. To me, it is the platonic ideal of what a ska cover should be. Yes, I suppose a little bit ironic, but genuinely a song they like doing, like they like the song, but they're doing it as a ska song. It's a little bit heavier. It's a little bit faster. It's a a lot of like, it makes you want to jump around. um, And it's a good fucking time. I I, think that that's the one that really hits it. If I'm saying, hey, I want to listen to a ska cover of a song, Come on Eileen might be the first one that I think of. I do like when they do, when they break it down, when they hit the slow part, they, they do put a sweetened rhythm in it. Yep. Like, come on, Eileen. They thought about it. Yeah, they don't do that in the original, so I think that was like a cool little addition. I truly think that the band, Save Ferris, looked at that song and said, how can we do this song different and interesting, not just faster and harder? Yeah, it's a funny and because Dexys was also kind of ska adjacent or like similar to like the, the Madness and especially the 80s ska bands. Yeah. So I mean, like I don't it's, think that it's that's less right. of a drastic change. So they can like, it is definitely a different version, but it's not like a random, like or a reassembling of the thing like Take On Me is. But that's what I really appreciate about it is that it it isn't that much that they like they could have just done nothing. They really could have. I mean, as a compliment, like it's different enough, but it captures the energy. I just think they were smart about it. And I I don't dislike the Real Big Fish version of Take On Me. I don't. I mean, like I I said, like Real Big Fish Take On Me is like one of the first things I downloaded off of Audio Galaxy, whatever thing we had back in the day. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. And, you know, I can still hear that. Well, what I liked about it in high school, like there is a lot of energy to it. And they they do. It does sound horns to synth is a good transition. It's a good uh, translation, I guess. Yeah, I think I just, you know, it's it's a weird thing. Um, I was going back and trying to listen to a lot of the different covers. And I think part of the appeal, especially when I was a kid, was when it didn't sound good. <laughs> You know, like less than Jake um, did a cover of Jenny eight six seven five three zero nine, and the production value is in the toilet, <laughs> uh, and it's just them going Jenny Jenny you can turn to eight six seven five three zero nine. You know, like it's it is not complicated. It is not a complicated version. It is the most bare, just a bunch of guys shouting to with a guitar in the background version of the song, and. When I was in high school, that was the dream. That's the coolest thing. It made me want to do nothing but that. Like take every single song that was mellow and 80s that I grew up listening to that had some kind of like 
thought behind the, the 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 production of it and go, what if we just shouted, you know? Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Fuck you. You know, like, it's just like, that's, why not? There, There's an appeal to that uh, when Man. you're 16. I, uh, like I said, I have ska friends. They were playing me like a new or virgin, like a new band doing a covers album. The only one I remember is Just by Radiohead. You do it to yourself. You do. Like, you, you don't want to know what that sounds like as a ska song. It was awful. It was one of the worst things I've ever heard. Yeah, it seems like a weird choice. Um, yeah. Like, let's do a ska cover of this Aphex Twin song. <laughs> weird. What are we doing? Um, yeah, I don't know, man. That's, it's not, there's just not a ton to say. That's, I, as soon as I came up with this, I thought, boy, we're going to have to talk about ska a lot. Because the songs themselves, there's not really a ton to say about them, you know. Um, Save Ferris uh, is a band I wish that I liked. Save Ferris, to, to me, caught you know, boy, this is like awful. Like I'm not, you know, if you say Ferris, let it, let it be known. Um, I don't think that there's anybody currently from the, the, the lineup now other than, than, uh, Money Powell from yeah. the original, uh, group. I, I think that everybody else has kind of switched out. I believe there was some, you know, some, some lawsuits and all this yeah, sort of yeah. stuff that, that, good, that, good that has since been, yeah, yeah. Classic stuff. But here's what I will say. Um, as far as I can tell, people show up to their shows and they do so enthusiastically and they seem to have a great time. I mean, if so, you're still if you're still in the ska in the in the in the 2020s, you are ride or die. But I don't think that that's as small a number as you'd imagine it to be. Yeah. I'm telling you that they can still sell out a place. And I think that that is um I think that that's great. I have nothing bad to say about it. I just I don't know, man. I kept trying to listen to um it means everything, and then their the Bush is their first album, and then their second album modified. And I just thought, there's nothing. I listened to it; it was that, fine. It just did album. It yeah, just did it stand out. Neither of those albums, to me, made me think these feel like they exist in a space that, while similar to the other acts, feels distinct. Right? Like, man, save Ferris. I really like. I know what they sound like. They've got their own sound. They've got their own style i feel that way about real big fish you know i don't have any like how what what does that band sound like why they just sound like every other ska band no way turn the radio off has got a very distinct style to it and it's a like, great great record and by the way has has monique powell on a track it's yeah she it's, has she's, she's on she has a girlfriend now <laughs> yeah like for me like the, the thing that makes real big fish really stand out is that like they have a guitar player who can fucking shred that's, I think it also makes. I think it, there's something to the fact that um, their their first big hit was "Sellout." Yeah, which is and, pretty. Which, which by the way, was about dancehall crashers apparently, um, because huh. uh, they didn't like that dancehall crashers were being accused of selling out because they'd done an album or had like done a lot of stuff that had horns, and then when they got big, they released an album without horns. The thing is, there is a push, or there was at the time. That you know these 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 record producers and these companies would bring on ska bands and they'd go, "Hey, you guys are great. Could you do this without horns?" <laughs> <laughs> like that is a thing that happened. But Dancehall Crashers was an example of an act where they had done the the horn stuff, and where their interests were taking them was just away from that, which is a, that's allowed to happen. Um, and so, Real Big Fish wrote this song about sell about selling out and i believe it even had like the opening of sellout is even similar to a song off of the the quote sellout album of dancehall crashers and i think that's interesting um and i think that it was very savvy of whoever it was that decided hey this is going to be your first single the idea of you know a small band you know signs the paper tonight she said but i can't work in fast food all my life life. yeah that's a first of all that song rules. Oh, baby, don't you sign that paper tonight? She's in, but I can't work in fast food all my life. Yeah, I still enjoy sellout, and I still sing beer at karaoke. Yeah, it always kills. But it's fu- there's funny stuff about real F- big fish. I was thinking about this when I was going. But there's so many songs where they sing about how everything sucks. There's li- literally their their first album pre 
um, turn the radio off is called Everything Sucks. And then on turn the radio off, they have a song called Everything Sucks. And all I could think was, guys, it's the 90s. (laughs) Everything's great. What are you talking (laughs) about? This is the best time you're ever going to have. Meanwhile, and I, I can't believe how well this holds true. The last um, full record they put out came out, uh, I'll, I'll tell you the year in a moment, but the name of the album is Life Sucks, Let's Dance. Would you like to guess what year that record came out? No, tell me. It came out in 2018. Now, I'm not saying 2018 was a great year, but I will say, can you imagine traveling back in time from 2023 to 20, 2018 being like, hey, gang. If you think things suck now, just wait. This is, by comparison, the golden age. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. I would la- rather live right now than in 2018. Absolutely. Anything anything pre-COVID doesn't really seem that bad, I got to say. Well, Everything, uh, like the, the entire Trump years. Like I, yeah, I would, I guess I would much rather live post-COVID than pre-COVID. I don't know. It's rough. The whole thing is rough. Um, anyway, my, my point is that I think it's funny that they had a lot of songs about, uh, also, um, they had songs that would be about like, um, she used to be my girl, but she's famous now. Um, <laughs> and there are a lot of songs about them not being famous enough, which I think yeah. is weird because real big fish got real big famous as far as ska bands go. Yeah. As far as ska bands go is a, is a highly conditional condition there. But I'm saying, you know, there were, no offense to Real Big Fish, there were a lot of better ska bands that never quite hit it as big. and Or other bands that were, at at very least, as good, you know? I mean, there's a mm-hmm. million of them. Like, did Voodoo Glow Skulls or The Toasters or Skank and Pickle, Mustard Plug, did any of these people get, like, the kind of mainstream success that Real Big Fish did? I don't no. think so. Um, and those bands are all great. I mean, well, at the same time, Real Big Fish is, did not exactly become Bon Jovi or anything. So what? So what? Uh, I mean, ultimately, I think they they realized it didn't matter because they, I mean, they, they had I a falling you. out with the label and, and, and then just released everything independent after that. That's another band that I think basically everybody eventually left except for the lead singer, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I promise you, like, no matter how famous you get, you will always feel bad about not being more famous. That's why they do what they do. Celebrities. Oh, I guess I don't. I I am so glad to not be famous. It's the mm-hmm. most wonderful thing. Any taste of fame at all to me is the worst. Anytime <laughs> people know who I am, I'm like regret, 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 regret. I don't want this. Um, I do this podcast purely because I like you, and and it's fun. And I don't really pay too much attention to whether or not people listen to it or not. Except except for you, listener. You specifically. <laughs> I'm so grateful that you listen. Um, please give us lots of money. Uh. And we'll give you all this love in return. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Well, you want to do the questions? Or do you, do, you get, questions. do you got anything let's, else? All right. No, let's do the questions. All right. Uh, blah, blah, yada, yada. We do questions um, to sort of make things make sense after we, I don't know, pontificate for a while. First question. Uh, if one of these songs is going to go away forever, boy, I really did the short version. Yeah. This is the, this is the ska version. Uh, <laughs> one of these songs much is going to go away. Much louder. Yeah, one of them's going away forever. Which one is it? Todd, go. I mean, both of these songs are incredibly inessential. Let's let's like the the world is not going to be different if we delete one ska cover out of the billions from the universe. I don't know. Do you have an answer to this? My answer is that I would get rid of "Take on Me" from Basketball, and the reason why I say that is because Real Big Fish covered "Take on Me" twice. Did they really? Boom. Yes, they did. So if you get rid of one, you still get to keep the other. Hey! Uh, I did it. I won. I found a technicality. We've never done that before. We, uh, I, well, I, I would uh, remove Take On Me because it's worse, and we don't need both of them. So just on quality alone. All right. I'll accept that. Question number two, you could be a fly on the wall. You could, you could learn soup to nuts. The beginning and end creation of one and only one of these two songs. Do you care? Not really. <laughs> Next moving question. On to, moving on to question number three. Um, Megan the Stallion. Oh, this is, I guess. Now, this is a something. good question, though. 
Meg, Meg Lee Stallion, she's going to get up to a, a night of hot girl shit. Blah, blah, yada, yada. One of these songs is going to be hot girl shit. Which one is it, Todd? Which one is she going to skank to? <laughs> no more twerking, all skanking. I don't she's, know. She's going to make a new thing. It's going to be called squirking. I'm going to say take on me just because it has more energy. I don't know. I don't know. Like, there is, like, Scott isn't hot. It's like an anti hot genre. I disagree. I don't know. I think she'd do come on Eileen. It's because it's time. You know what time it is. It's time to come okay. on Eileen, apparently. Listen, okay. I am just, I'm reporting the news, Todd. I didn't start this. I didn't start the fire. All right. Question number four, the most important question, not just uh, of the podcast, but just in, in all of human creation. William Shatner, he's going to do a cover of one and only one of these two songs. I'm even doing the fast version of this one. Mm-hmm. Which what, which which Scott cover? <laughs> uh, uh. This is this is destined to go down in history as our worst episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Um I don't like Scott, like William Shatner does not have Scott energy. I should have come up with cover versions for all of these questions. William Shatner and Scott seems like a very, very difficult proposition to me. I don't know that he could keep up. Like when I say he doesn't have Scott energy, I mean like literal energy. Like he's an old man. And even when he was a young man, he didn't sing that fast. I don't know. I, I want to go with Take On Me, maybe, because at least the chorus doesn't require too much. He just says yeah. three words over the course of eight measures. And I bet he could find new ways to do it every time. Yes. All right. I'll accept that. All right. Well, that was swell. What are the people? How mad is everybody, Todd? How mad are they? All right. Vince Whitaker writes, what the fuck, Lena? <laughs> You know what the fuck it is. It's come on Eileen time. <laughs> All right. Jacob Aelson writes, Oh boy, would I rather be a fly on the wall for this one band deciding to cover this one song or for this other band covering this other song? Lena, you ask the truly impossible questions. I'm a deep thinker. Yeah. Sour Crowd writes, I never met a person who can sing the lyrics of come on Eileen correctly. So that is an automatic win in my books. I, I will say that I I think I learned most of the lyrics from of Come on Eileen from the cover version because the Kevin Rollins original is just incomprehensible in all ways. All right, Connor Rankin writes. Now I'm imagining you two covering Ben Folds' cover of Bitches Ain't Shit versus Dynamite Hacks cover of Boys in the Hood. Well, one of those you cannot listen to anymore. Anything is possible, but also we're not going to do that. <laughs> I I think we should. Oh, I'm going to like, grief. all right, Alan Mott writes, and I love this. This is a great reference. Alan Mott writes, Pitchfork got that shit right the first time. Lena, do you get this reference? Wait, what was it again? I was, I was looking something up myself. Say this again. Pitchfork got that shit right the first time. Do you know what that's a reference to? I'm assuming it's Pitchfork Media. Yes. Well, one I, of their, no, I don't know. One of their first reviews long deleted from the site, was of Save Ferris's uh, It Means Everything, and they gave it a 9.7. Hell yeah. <laughs> wow, look at that. Okay. Pitchfork was a much different place in its embryonic stages. You know what? I like that. I'm happy to hear that. That's great. All right. Gravy Yukai writes, I saw Real Big Fish live probably 15 years ago. And the horrible sound of everyone in the crowd trying to hit the high note in Take On Me remains a hilarious memory to this day. Like, I feel like if you had the entire crowd failing to hit the high note for AHA, that'd be an insult. But for Real Big Fish, that is exactly the right mood. Yeah. All right. David P. writes, I've had limited exposure to ska before outside of it being a punchline. Oh, God, do I like ska now? This it's, is a problem. It's fun. I'll tell you what. I think the world kind of needs ska right now. I think now's the right time for ska to come back. All right. Near Ravel writes, Come on, Eileen, only because that's the only good version of this song. Coming out wow. of the gate. 
Yeah, coming out of the I, bullpen with the heat there. Whew, disagree, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I respect the audacity. Yes. Uh, Steph writes, take on me is drilled in my head because I've seen basketball 74,000 times, but I'm picking come on Eileen because I like it when girls make the cover gay. Uh, that's, you know, that's a perfectly valid, but also you've seen basketball 74,000 times. Why? I assume that you're in hell. <laughs> the D and the A and the M and the N and the A and the T and the I O N. Be forced to watch basketball. All right. And Nico writes, can we have an Anchorman-esque showdown where all the ska cover songs come out of the woodworks and fight for that top spot? Oh, there's so many of them. <laughs> there's so there's fucking so many. many. D- genuine less than Jake did an entire album that was just Grease. They just did oh. Grease, but Ska. Right. Jasmine writes, I abstain, fuck Ska, and fuck you for making me hear this. Yikes. We got a yikes. Oh, fuck you right back. All right. And finally, Knopf 4 writes, wow, I'm surprised at how much I hated that, period. Now, wait a minute. I feel that it's important. I'm, I'm including this one just for you. Morton Ansham writes, I don't have much to say about these two songs, but I listened to Ringo the Fourth and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, here's what I would say to you, Mort. You tried and I appreciate you. Uh, well, I mean, I, I told him. I told them I have no idea why you went to bat so hard for that terrible album. So I think I still stand by it. I stand by it. And I'll tell you something. My buddy and I listened to Ringo the fourth in his car the other day. And he was like, I don't hate this. All right. Well, what, we have, what more do you want? That's the most ringing endorsement. We are done. Now it is time for the results. Lena, what's your best guess? My best guess is that nobody voted. <laughs> Is Zero it, votes. The, the 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 totals were a little lower than they usually are, yes. Shocker, shocker. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I genuinely, uh, my guess is, to, is take on me one because it's m- more known uh, as a cover. Real Big Fish is a better known band, so I just, I'm going to assume that that's what won, but not by much. All right. For a total of 343 to 247, that's a 58-42 split. It's time for Come On Eileen. Hey! <laughs> I'm proud of you. You made the right choice. Come on, Eileen. Oh, I swear. Yeah, that was a good... It's a decent cover. I don't hate hearing it. I had a, a friend um, tell me the other day that they didn't know that that uh, version, that Safe Ferris version, wasn't the original version. Wow. For a really long time. And I thought, this is... Uh, this I is can't imagine that. I had. When I hang out with people born in the nineties, I, I mean, I mean, like, if how would like how would that be the version you know though? It's like it's know. not like a generational thing. Like you should just if you are familiar with one of them, it should be the other one. You know what? I wasn't mad at it honestly. Yeah. Again, I really like that cover, and in some ways, I prefer it to the original. All uh, right. Well, here we've made it to the end. I'm so sorry, everybody. We we took a big weird swing. Sometimes they work, and sometimes no, I like, they don't. I think it worked. I think it worked a lot. I had a lot of fun. I'm gl- I'm glad that you did. I hope. Hey, listen. If you didn't know stuff about ska, now you know a bunch of stuff about ska. And, and if anything, uh, a I hope that that is a good thing. I think it is. Uh, and if not, I would definitely recommend. Um, I I kind of want to make a mix. I'll make like a ska mix for the people that never listened to ska. Um, because there's a lot of good stuff in there, and definitely listen, uh, read that. Um hell of a hat book, which I found to be very enjoyable, you know, like mm-hmm. it's pretty short and it's, and it's happy and it's about good music and uh, it'll give you lots more music to listen to, especially if you like Scott. I'm just going to say that. There you go. All right. You ready to move on to the next thing? Yes, I am. Oh boy. Here we go. Here we go. We, we decided this normally we save this for the end of the year, but uh, you know what? Let's do it. Right now, we're going to be doing Miley Cyrus's Flowers versus Olivia Rodrigo's Vampire. Jazzed. I I believe that this means that we'll be doing not one, but two episodes. I mean, if I can songs think of from one, this I, year, I usually can't think of, uh, you know, more than one for it for a specific year. The year that happens, 
And usually I save it for our last episode of the year. Maybe we'll do another one. I don't know. But in any case, I would, li- I would like to, and I bet something's going. We're going to do this one timely. All right. And I have a question for you before we go. Did you realize uh, that you there was a synchronicity to the podcast and, and the YouTube channel this month? Did you realize at what point is this? Am I informing you now that we did two cover songs and that your episode uh, that you just put out is about a cover song? Uh, no, I think I just kind of like ran. That was entirely random. That's amazing. Well, there you but, go. It's it's the closest the podcast and the YouTube channel have ever been to being in sync. Amazing. Yeah. Well done. I mean, I was thinking about doing a vampire for like uh, my YouTube thing, and then I realized I'm going to be on vacation, so I'm going to miss it. So, oh, well. Might as well. well if you want to we'll know my this. thoughts about vampire by Olivia Rodrigo, it's going to be on the podcast. Hooray. And we'll probably put it on YouTube just so that you don't yes. miss it. Right. Because you don't want to miss it. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm.